so good to see all of you here today. I was going to make fun of uh, Bernie not being able to read very well, but then I kind of messed up that song, so I better stop, huh? Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how many songs I know that are dealing with Make Me an Instrument, at least three, because I tried to start two and then got to the right one the third time. But anyway, um, so good to see you here today. It's especially good to see a number of folks here that are from our sister churches of Christ, uh, either in the state uh, or close by. So just glad that you're here today and can be a part of our worship service. We really value it when you take that time out in your schedule to be with us, even though you're not at your home congregation. So good of you to be here with us today. You know, and meeting with our sister congregations is so important. It's a blessing. Uh, it's a blessing to be gathered together with those from around us, but it's also a blessing to them when we're there. Uh, and on that note, I want to just say again, tonight, 5 o'clock, the bus leaves here, heads down to the Parkside Church of Christ. Um, I'm getting to do something I don't get to do very often. I get to lead the worship uh, in song tonight. Uh, the uh, youth minister from the Livonia Church of Christ, Mike Miles, who is a, a great guy, is going to be giving the lesson. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity to share in fellowship afterwards with pizza. Uh, so come on down. Be a part of this uh, grouping of, of congregations and a tradition that is approaching its 80th year in the metro Detroit area, unbroken. Uh, so we uh, pray that you can be there and be a part of that with us tonight. And of course, there's the other things coming on. Check your bulletin uh, and be thankful. I really, Brian, where are you? Brian, wherever you are, thank you for reminding us how simple it really comes down to, being thankful. Uh, how do you avoid the idolatry of our age? It's through gratefulness. It's through being thankful for what God has given us and understanding that it came from him. Uh, and uh, as long as we can do that, I think we can really do a good job. And we've been kind of covering this general theme uh, in understanding how blessed we are in God and how thankful we should be as we've gone through Titus chapter 3 over the last two weeks, today our third week. In the first sermon in this series, we noted that God created us to do good works. Then last week, we started to ask the question, well, why should we do them? And we're reminded that God doesn't accept excuses. He bought us out of slavery at an awful cost, the cost of his only son's life, Jesus Christ. And he now owns us and expects us to serve him. Today, we're going to look at that and we're going to say, what is it that God did do for us? And how should that motivate us to greater service in his name? One of the first things I think we notice in all of this, and I think we really should, if you come away with one point in this whole sermon today, it's going to be this one. And you should be able to because it's going to be repeated three times. Um, God showed up. God showed up. Now, you can show up in a couple of different ways. And, and dads, I think you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about here. You can show up in a huff and bite your kid's head off, okay? Or you can show up, you know, with a, a kindly manner and, yes, confront lovingly, discipline them. Now, I have to admit that I probably uh, did the former more than I wanted to and the second less than I should have. Um, we all struggle with that. But God did not and does not have that problem. Our Heavenly Father showed up 
He showed up with kindness and with love. Yes, he does come in judgment, but never in a huff. He doesn't lose his cool. His anger is righteous and his punishments are just. But I think the key here is that he showed up. Many years ago when I was a chaplain candidate in the Navy, I was taught a principle that was called the Ministry of Presence. The Ministry of Presence. They said, get out of your office and go out to the workspaces. Go to the desks and the workshops and, and, and all the places where the sailors or Marines are doing their jobs. And get out among them and, and talk with them. Get to know them. You've got to be present if you want to have an influence over them. And there's a lesson here for the church in our day and age today. What is it that we're most inclined to do as we see the world becoming more and more out of control? What do we want to do, church? Don't we want to just kind of circle the wagons, draw in closer, disengage more? Well, Christ calls us to do exactly the opposite. And he showed that when he showed up. He showed up in all of our mess and became a part of this so that he could lead us out of it. God showed up in Jesus Christ. He wants us to go out into the world and bring in those that are seeking him. You know, gone are the days, and some of you will remember the glory days uh, in the mid-20th century. Sounds weird to say it that way, doesn't it? Uh, but in the mid-20th century, when all you had to do was put a church building up, and people just came in. It really did happen that way. That's days are gone. We've got to go out and bring them in. And you know what? Doesn't that sound strangely biblical? You know, something like, you know, the master has set up this banquet and he's invited his guests and everybody's made mistake, you know, excuses why they can't come. So what does he tell his servants to do? Go out. Go into the highways and the byways and drag them in to the feast that I have prepared. I want my house to be full. But the secret to influencing people for Christ is to consistently and authentically show up in their lives, not expecting them to come to the church. And by the way, not just when there's a party or when you're being honored, but also when there's hard work to be done, when there's a favor to be done that cannot be repaid, that's when the church needs to be there, out in the world the most. God showed up with love and kindness. A lot of people are kind and loving, but they have neither the means nor the ability to do what needs to be done. God lacked neither. And that brings us to our second point. God showed up and acted. He acted by saving us. You know, ever ask yourself that, this question, why did he save me? Well, personally, I'm sure it's because I'm such a great guy, you know, right? But that's why God saved me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because, you know, if I'm, if I'm that wonderful, perfect guy, you know, why did I mess up with my own kids? Why do I mess up in my own relationships? You know, more than I, I, I even, you know, isn't it funny? Sometimes you even know you're doing it when you do it, right? And you go, I know this is wrong. I know I'm losing my cool here. I know I shouldn't do this. And you're, you're in it already. Um, but God showed up knowing our faults, knowing that we were going to blow it. He showed up 
knowing we didn't deserve his son. But he loved us. And in his love and mercy and kindness with power, he came anyway, in spite of all that muck that we have sticking to us all over the place. But, you know, we have a hard time accepting and understanding that concept. It's, I'm amazed how guilt-ridden we can be sometimes, not realizing that we've already been forgiven. An illustration of this happened uh, to Glenda and I and, and Ryan and his girlfriend Nikki last spring. We were, uh, gotten to, Ryan and I had done a concert together, singing concert, and uh, we all went out to the Ram's Horn on Rochester Road uh, about 9 o'clock at night. And uh, as we're finishing up our late meal, uh, I noticed the waitress uh, coming over uh, you know, to bring our check. I had been wondering why it had taken so long. And as she comes over, she just kind of set it on the table. And uh, she said, somebody in the restaurant paid for your meal. She said, have a good night. And, you know, just kind of we're like, what? How, how do you deal with this, you know? I didn't know exactly how to deal with it. I, I, I looked at the bill, and I, I went ahead and put the tip on the table so that you know, the waitress would have something. Um, but I didn't know what to do with this. And it, it's interesting. There was a book by a man by the name of Rob Bell called Repainting the Velvet Elvis. Uh, interesting title, isn't it? Um, but he, uh, he had a similar experience. And I want to read his processing of his experience because it comes really close to what I was dealing with. He said, I had the strangest feeling sitting there. The feeling was helplessness. There was nothing I could do. It had been taken care of. To insist on paying the bill would have been pointless. All I could do was trust that what she said was actually true and then live in that, which meant getting up and leaving the restaurant. My acceptance of what she gave me uh, of what she said gave me a choice, to live like it was true or to create my own reality in which the bill was not paid. That is our invitation in Christ, Bell writes, to trust that we don't owe anything, to trust that something is already true about us, something has already been done, something has been there all along, to trust that grace pays the bill. To trust that grace pays the bill. Sometimes we act as if Jesus never came to earth in the first place. Never taught his disciples by the sea. Never healed the sick. Never raised the dead. Never fed the multitudes. Never was arrested, falsely tried, beaten, and then crucified. Never hung on that cross for our sin and our shame, never died in our place, never was buried and was raised on the third day by the Father. No, we live, live as if it all depends on us. It's time for us to get off the cross. Jesus has already taken care of that. And Jesus took care of us for a purpose, so that we could get about our Father's business, so that we could get about the purpose for which he originally created us in the first place, to do the good that he has set out in advance for us to do. We can never be good enough, loving enough, kind enough, 
righteous enough, holy enough, smart enough, or merciful enough to earn God's salvation in Jesus Christ. This is a free gift. A free gift that we receive when we in faith were obedient to Christ and were baptized into Him and received His Holy Spirit. It is not because of what we have done. It is because of what God did for us. When He showed up and what He continues to do daily as He indwells us and redeems us through His Spirit. But be sure, He knew what He was doing. Though many think otherwise. I don't know if you've heard of the Unification Church. I'm sure you have. It used to be known as the Moonies. They don't go by that title anymore. It was never one they really chose for themselves. They were named after their founder, Sung Young Moon. Sung Young Moon believed that when Jesus Christ came to earth, he messed up. Because originally God had intended him to marry Mary and uh, form a perfect family which would be an example for all others. Uh, and by getting crucified, this is their terminology, uh, you know, God had to make new plans. And of course, his new plans happened to be the Reverend Sung Young Moon and his wife, who were the new, literally the new Messiah. Uh, you know, this is kind of messed up. And this is where the world is sometimes. But I want you to remember this. God did not make a mistake. God knew who we were knew what we were needing. And he came having full knowledge of what was going to happen. He did not make a mistake. Matter of fact, in Romans, the fifth chapter, we read, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God showed up. God showed up and he acted. God showed up and he acted with the result in mind. And that result was the salvation of our souls. This is what the plan was before the beginning of creation. Isn't that a mind-boggling situation? Uh, you know, many of us, would, would, if we were going into a project that we know would be destroyed or messed up in a big way later on, we might not even start it. But God went in with full knowledge of what could happen and went ahead and did it. God is thrilled when men and women come into that plan fully. When they pledge themselves to Jesus Christ as they are baptized into him. How do I know that? Because that's what he came to do. He came to take on human flesh, to walk on this earth so that he could seek and save the lost. And he is thrilled when that lost sheep is found. He puts that sheep on his shoulders and he runs into town to tell everybody about it, is the parable the lost sheep tells us. That is our God. Our God who wants to save us. He showed up 
He did the work that needed to be done to save us. And he got the results that he expected. Sometimes we forget that and think that God is all about punishment instead of bringing salvation. Oh, God will punish us. You can count that. But that is not his desire. His desire is that everyone will come to an understanding of Jesus Christ as their Savior. But our understanding is so limited sometimes. It, and it's so hard to grasp what God is thinking. You know, it's like a man who had a three-year-old daughter named Rita. And they were witnessing, or she was witnessing, her first baptism. And she was uh, surprised, and he explains it this way. She exclaimed, she exclaimed, surprise, why he pushed that guy under the water? Why, Daddy? Why? My wife tried to explain, explain briefly and quietly, but Rena just wouldn't be satisfied. Later that night, we tried to provide an answer that a child's mind could comprehend. We talked about sin and told Rena that when people decide to live for Jesus and do good, they want everyone to know. We then explained that water symbolizes Jesus washing people's sin. When they come out clean, they are going to try to be good. A moment later, he writes, we realized that we'd have to work on our explanation a bit because Rena immediately responded, why didn't Mr. Bob just spank him? We're kind of hired, wired at an early age for punishment, aren't we? God's most important role is not the punisher of us. His most important role, the role that he desires to fill in your life today, is to be your Savior through his Son, Jesus Christ. His most important role is our Savior. And when we come to understand that, it is so freeing. It is so freeing. I am freed to serve, not because I am under a curse, but because I am free from the curse. Not because I am trying to earn his love and grace, but because I live in it. And because I'm living in grace, it is the natural thing for me to do, to be like my Father in heaven and extend that loving grace to others. To extend that mercy and kindness and to proclaim the salvation of God, the salvation that he has already accomplished in his son, Jesus Christ, if we will only enter into it. The Apostle John said it best when he wrote, we love because he first loved us. Denise Banderman had come to take her final exam in her religion class in 2002 when she experienced something that illustrated God's grace to her. She writes, when I got to class, everybody was doing their last minute studying. The teacher came in and said he would review with us before the test. Most of us, uh, most of his review came right from the study guide. But there were some things he was reviewing that we had never heard. When questioned about it, he said they were in the book and we were responsible for everything in the book. And we couldn't argue with that. Finally, it was time to take the test. Leave them face down on your desk until everyone has one. I'll tell you when to start, our professor 
Dr. Tom Hufty instructed. When we turned them over, to my astonishment, every answer on the test was filled in. My name was even written on the exam in red ink. The bottom of the last page said, this is the end of the exam. All the answers on your test are correct. You will receive an A on the final exam. The reason you passed the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. All the work you did in preparation for this test did not help you get the A. You have just experienced grace. Dr. Huffy then went around the room and asked each student individually, what is your grade? Do you deserve the grade you are receiving? How much did all of your studying for this exam help you achieve your final grade? Then he said something that stuck with her. He said, some things you learned from lectures, some things you learned from research, but some things you can only learn from experience. You've just experienced grace. 100 years from now, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your name will be written down in a book, and you will have had nothing to do with writing it there. That will be the ultimate grace experience. Singer Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote, In the gospel we discover... We are far worse off than we thought and far more loved than we ever dreamed. God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. I remember as a graduate student at Harding School of Theology, the first time that I led in the chapel there, the hymn, How Great Thou Art, after our oldest son, born. I remember how hard it was to lead the third verse of that song. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. It struck me so hard because here was my, my infant son, couldn't do that to him, but God did it to his son. He gave him for us all his perfect life so that we could live. God showed up in a big way, and that is why we are to serve others, because we know that that is why we were created. Christ came so that we could be recreated into his image and become again what God intended for man and woman to be from the very beginning of creation. When he created us on that sixth day and he said, it is very good. In Christ we are recreated to be that very good thing, creation again. God wants you to be recreated today. He showed up when he sent his son to be born of the Virgin Mary and showed us the Father through his example. Jesus showed up when the chips were down and went to the cross to save you and me from our sins. And loving kindness, he is ready today to transform you into his child, to free you from the curse of sin and make you righteous through his blood. He showed up. And all
all you have to do is step up and live in that grace through faith and humble obedience. Come to him today. You have heard the gospel. If you believe that gospel, then turn to him today. That's repentance. And confess him as God's son. Then in faith, trust that the water of baptism indeed symbolizes what God has already done for you in Jesus Christ, the salvation of your soul. And be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you can begin to live in that grace that God has waiting for you, that he's already accomplished for you. You can live in that grace as a child of God who is freed to do the work that God created you to do. The invitation is yours. To step into that grace or to call on that grace if you need the prayers of the church. Whatever your need today is, won't you come to him as we stand and as we sing.